Welcome to the IDP Guys podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hungarter. I am a writer over at the Fancy Six Pack and IDP Guys. I'm also an ECR ranker over at Fantasy Pros. My Twitter handle is at IDP Hunter, and I'm joined tonight by the Fantasy Sports Doctor, uh, Dr. James Ferretti. How you doing, James? Oh, I'm doing well, Steve. I'm happy to be here. Excellent. Uh, the, the fantasy sports doctor, he is a board certified radiologist and he's a fantasy football injury analyst and contributor over at two places over at the going for two uh, podcast and also the baseball HQ. He's an author of a new book. Uh, the book is called injuries suck, but your fantasy team doesn't have to. It's available on Amazon right now. Um, check it out, guys. Um, Doc, I really want to get into this book. I really want to go into some of the details of your book because I find I find fantasy sports and, and injuries apparel uh, just very interesting. But I, I just wanted to go over with you some of the particulars of the show. Um, sure. As you know, as you know, I use Fantasy Pros um, to do our rankings. Um, and on that note, I heard you've been doing okay there. Yeah, um, the first couple of weeks I was an amateur, so I ended up ranking. I was first three out of five weeks as an amateur. Now that I'm actually on the expert rankings table, um, this week is my first week. Here, I'll tell you what. It might be better if I just show it to you. Hold on. All right. Let's see it. Let's see. Let's see the goodness. All right. So first three three out of five weeks. That's uh, that's I'm I'm no expert, but that sounds like it's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, can you see my screen, James? I can, I can see your screen. Excellent. So, yeah, week one, you know, IDP, I was a little bit down here. I think I was week six. And then it started picking up for me come week week three, week four, week five. Anyway, I started, I started picking up here around, what are we in, week six now, week seven. Yep. So, anyway, the IDP rankings, I am actually four. Hey, there he is. There he is. Uh-huh. Yep. And uh, believe it or not, these rankings, it's a leadership board. There's so many top people on here. Yeah, uh, I, recognize, I, I recognize a lot of those names, Steve. So that's pretty impressive. I um, Thanks. This is my first year doing it. And like I said, I'm, I've opened this show to kind of show some of those secrets, some of the things that, that I do. Um, I just started doing offense. So please don't hold that against me. I just started putting that on there. But IDP is kind of like kind of my home. But, yeah, I finished number four. And if you look at the scoring, we're all about nine or ten points uh, in back of each other. So, you know, um, it's it's going pretty good with this. Um, let me show you this. Let me show you this too, James. Uh, so, Doc, if you look at the scoring, this is the scoring format that they use over at Fantasy Pros. Okay. You'll notice – you notice it's all math. Uh, solo tackles 1.5, assisted tackles 0.75, tackles for a loss two points, uh, sacks you have four points, interceptions five, and so forth and so forth. So you know if you know anything, please look at your scoring for your draft and also know how many. Know the, know the general rules and guidelines, because that's going to determine how we rank these folks. Very good advice. 
which surprisingly enough is something that I think not enough people do. They don't look at their sky. I've been in so many leagues, even expert leagues where, where people are like, Hey, why'd you draft that guy? And it's like, Oh, well he's good. Right. It's like, well, yeah, but in this league, they only score whatever for this. So that guy would be ranked a lot lower. And it's like, Oh yeah, I didn't look at that. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you get stuck with your friends and recency bias and what have you. Absolutely. And, and, mm -hmm, yeah. It's no different over here. It's no different over here in the in the IDP community. And then also, you can be on top of it one week, and the next week just get just get lit up, lit up with injuries. Um, so yeah, so this is the defensive uh, defensive side of the ball. Uh, okay. What I generally do here is I generally do the top fifteen. But like I said, and then I show the audience kind of like my whole list. But we'll get into that. But if you don't mind, I wanted to ask you a couple questions about your book. Absolutely. Okay. Um, Doc, what made you, what inspired you to write a book like this? Well, I got to tell you, Steve, full disclosure, I've played in leagues that have used like team defense and special teams, but never IDP. And the reason is IDP has always been historically so intimidating to me. So I felt like if I joined an IDP league, everyone would just mop the floor with me. So I'm really glad to be here on a show dedicated to it with expert content. Now, not amateur content, expert content. Oh, so I can you. learn and grow uh, in an area of the game that I'm not strong in at all. So I'm really, really excited to get into some of this stuff. To answer your question about the book, when I started playing fantasy football, essentially there was no injury content. There wasn't even really social media because I'm that old. Um, <laughs> you'd get a report or you get a quote on an injured player and from the player, the coach, something like he's fine or similar to today that he's day to day or quote out for a few weeks. And you kind of had to make your roster decisions based off of that. Um, so as I progressed through my medical career, I learned more about the anatomy of the body, how it functions and heals. And then I learned a lot more about imaging as a radiologist, x-rays, CAT scans, MRIs, the diagnoses injuries. And that's what I do now. I'm a doctor and I specialize in radiology. So I read those images and try to put the pieces of the puzzle together. So I wrote the book to basically combine the really useful parts of my medical training and my work as a radiologist that pertain to fantasy sports. So someone could read the book or listen to the book uh, and, and get the benefit of those past 20 plus years of my training and work in the medical field and my experience as a fantasy sports player, and hopefully be able to utilize that thought process and the techniques that I use every day when I'm managing my fantasy teams and that's what hopefully we're going to explore a little bit more today uh, on the show with some of the injured players now on the defensive side of the ball, which I'm really excited for. Right. And then you'll notice, too, each position has different variables, different types of injuries. So I'm really excited to have you on, especially this week with bye weeks and uh, injuries coming up. I mean, like just just after you booked the show, there's been a slew of injuries, which which I would hope to get into at least. Yeah, the top absolutely. Players anyway, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I was I was myself. You can't answer you can't answer my next question. You know, tell me you know tell me what inspired you to write the book, but also tell me why I would need this book. But I think an overall understanding of the body and how the body works and how much time it needs to heal, I think that would be absolutely beneficial to my team. Uh, speaking for myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, people might say exactly what you said. Well, Doc, you know, why do I need to? you know, get that. Like, why do I need to look at your content? I could just follow another injury analyst on Twitter, like Stefania Bell or Jesse Morris or David Chow or Edwin Porras. And they'll tell me everything I need. And my answer to that is you absolutely should follow them. They're really smart and they're really good at what they do. But sometimes, sometimes you don't have time to head to Twitter 
or, you know, check out a podcast or anything like that, because you need to act quick, fast, in a hurry. Sometimes the player isn't specifically covered. And I imagine that comes up a lot on the defensive side of the ball, which in my experience seems to get a little neglected compared to offense and you kind of get left in the lurch a little bit. So I think your audience especially is going to be interested in kind of developing their own process Mm -hmm. to be able to make more informed decisions and get a leg up on their competition. And hopefully that's why they're watching the show here um, because this is not content that is available in a lot of places. I found really, really useful. My one friend, he was talking to me offline. He works for uh, Rotoballers. He's like, you're like Robin Hood. You're giving this information, which is usually behind a paid wall. You're giving it to the audience. I'm like, don't stroke my ego, buddy. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. But uh, two things that you just said that I found were very interesting. Uh, for starters, you are correct. IDP, there are a lot more injuries due to the brutality of the sport. But with, with, with every negative, there's a positive. Every yin, there's a yang. Um, with that being said, you will find a lot more players out of nowhere, especially at linebacker throughout the season, just because it's next man up, next man up. Give me that 90% snap count guy. Absolutely. Give me that next man up. Uh, Nate Landon of the Falcons comes to mind right now. Um, Isaiah McDuffie of the Packers comes to mind right now. You will get a lot of easy point weeks. And, and I don't think you can really do that too much with the, with offense. So I guess I my say, question- I would say the only thing that comes to mind is running back. Running back is very much the next man up. I never heard of this guy, and all of a sudden he's a league winner type thing. But it seems like there's a lot more opportunity, you know, to to make that kind of a deal and, and get those potentially league winning guys on defense, you know, just based on what you're talking about here. Right. It's like guys that you really have never heard of who could really be valuable to your team, um, which I think is really interesting. So, so usually I start the show, we go off the rankings, like I said, and we start the show with defensive linemen, followed by defensive backs, followed by defensive, uh, followed by linebackers, excuse me. Um, what I do is I like to like research stats, but I kind of do it by position because it just gives an overall better story of the player. Like if I told you, oh, this guy had 47 tackles, okay, well, whoop de doo But if I told you he had 47 tackles as a cornerback, which might be number one in his position, you'll jump for joy and mm-hmm. pick him up. Yeah. You know? So so that's kind of how I do it. But, yeah, we're going to start with defensive linemen. And if you notice with defensive linemen, um, usually those guys don't get 100% snaps. They're looking between 60 and 80%. And yeah. the reason is these guys get gassed quickly. They get gassed quickly. And the brutality of that position is the most severe. Uh, you'll see a lot of You'll see a lot of concussions finger injuries, knee surgeries, uh, pectoral strains is a common one. Um, you'll see uh, meniscus tears, obliques. And, and, and on that note, my first player that I'm going to talk about, TJ Watt, he's one, of, he's one of those such guys. He's coming off an injury, um, but he's one of the best at the position. Um, for people that don't know IDP too much, usually your, your top players are the same names every given week. It just might flip in the order of the matchup. Mm-hmm. So for my tier one, my tier one guys, I would say would either be Mika Parsons and TJ Watt. Right now, this week, and you look at other rankers too, they kind of have it either or. It really is dealer's choice. It really is between these guys. These guys are the cream of the crop. Um, the the separator to me, when you look at TJ Watt, okay, when you look at TJ Watt, let me just compare him by the position he's playing. He's only got five tackles in the season, which ties him for 76. He's third in tackle. He has three tackles. It's tied for 53rd. Where TJ makes his money 
is the next two categories, which is sacks. He's tied for second with eight, and he's tied for uh, forced fumbles. He's tied for second. That's where TJ makes his money as a sack machine, okay? Um, the thing about TJ, he has the better matchup between the two. I was looking at some data earlier today. I was looking at some data. He's playing the Jaguars. And um, Trevor Lawrence is actually under the most pressure in the entire league. Uh, you probably don't see it in the sack line, but that line is just not doing him any favors. Mm. And TJ Watt is a player that can get to him. And the Steelers are a top 10 team at creating pressures. So that's kind of, you know, maybe that's a cute little statistic, you know, cute little nugget to throw during the week, but that's kind of why I put I put Watt ahead of Parsons. Um, like I said, a couple rankers have it a little bit different, but that's why I'm going with TJ over Mr. Parsons. Uh, they're both elite. They're both elite at their position. Um, one of the stats I like to pull as well, if you're new to IDP, um, ESPN has this at advanced metrics and it's wins, wins, losses at the position. Okay. So when I compare nice. the two, um, Mika Parsons, 96 plays, he won 28 of them. Okay. He's got a 29% win rate to, to break down that number and give it a little bit more flavor. Um, the average player defensive lineman is 8% is about the average. Oh, wow. So yeah, anything only... over. Anything four, over 12 four times, 15, yeah, four times the average. Anything over 12 15 is a good player. Wow. So, that's so really you good. got you got a couple guys in here that are just beasts. Like if we were building a Madden team, that's how we would do it. Okay. Um, and how you get these numbers, you know, you, you put the top players, you know, based on X amount percentages, and you go through and you put all their numbers in there, you'll see a common theme, like which ones win more often than not. That's where that 12, that eight to 12 comes from. But, yeah, Mika Parsons could be number one here. And T.J. Watt is, is pretty close, too, with this win-loss percentage thing as well. So um, Watt's down here at 22. Parsons here at 29. They're both really good players. Uh, the only difference is I'm going to give it to uh, Watt this week on the matchup. Okay. Um, my next tier – and these guys, this is all this is all attract me. These are all fast, furious, great players. Okay, for number three on my list, I'm going Miles Garrett. For number three, uh, Miles Garrett. I don't know. Did you happen to watch football this week and see what he did? I know I mean, he had a he had a monster game. Ooh, did he? Um, let me let me uh yeah let me pull that up for you. So Miles Garrett. Yeah, hold on. This is worth talking about. He just went off on the competition. He went and did – well, actually, you know what? Let me pull his regular notes. Okay, so Miles Garrett this year has 11 total solos. That's tied for 34. He's uh, third in assists, tied for 53. Just like the men in front of him, he makes his money on the sack. Mm -hmm. He's tied for second with eight with Watt. So that's oh, where he makes his money. Yeah. Horse fumbles, he's got three, so he's tied for first. Now, this week, it changes week to week with these guys, but as we get more and more data, you're seeing them change. Um, Miles Garrett this week, nine tackles, two sacks, two forced fumbles. D depending on what kind of scoring format you're in, that's a league winner. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Miles Garrett is second on my list with a 27% win rate, 78 plays, 24 lines of scrimmage. So really, you can argue those three guys. You really could. 
The only difference is the first two are off-ball linebackers versus the next part of this list. These guys are more so uh, true defensive linemen. So I was going to ask you about that because I'm noticing that some of these guys have uh, dual position eligibility. They're eligible at linebacker and defensive end. Um, as somebody who doesn't know as much, uh, you know, doesn't know that much at all as far as the differentiation between those, is there a significant advantage to having guys that are multi-position eligible or eligible at linebacker versus defensive end? Like if you had a guy that was eligible at both, where would you play him? There is. Now, excellent question. It all comes down to our scoring format. So remember, okay. we're in Fantasy Pros. Uh, when you see solo tackles are 1.5, assisted tackles are 0.75, okay? okay? So I get a lot more value chasing guys that are tackle savvy, chasing guys that are in linebacker spots that they're okay. just going to be hovering. So, so that's kind of why you see a lot of off-ball guys. If you can play a linebacker in a defensive lineman spot, you mm -hmm. win. Okay. You win. Gotcha. And, you know, with, 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 with IDP, it's so much easier to game a system like this. And I've been successful so far, so I can say a tackle-savvy league, I can gauge each year who your tackle players are. You kind of know at three, five years, you know who the former Shaq Leonard is or currently now the Roquan Smiths or the Ola Coons. Like they, each year you can kind of know where they're at and you can kind of guess where their snaps are. But okay. what you can't do, Doc, what you can't do is it's impossible to gauge sacks and it's impossible to gauge interceptions. Mm, okay. Back heavy leagues is a little more trickier. Gotcha. Okay. You'll see certain players on this list that are way down and people are like, why? Because it's the format. The format here – we're trying to chase the, the tackles and the sacks. We're trying to chase the sacks with the tackles, if that makes gotcha, sense. Gotcha, so gotcha. Yep. Off-ball linebackers are, are 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 key to most of our sleeper uh, formats. Uh, moving on to number four on this list. Hold on, let me pull that back up there. Yep, moving on to number four on this list is uh, Max Crosby. Um, honestly, any given week, he can be number one, too. Where Max Crosby makes his money is he is incredible with the snap count. Um, Doc, remember the beginning I was telling you the average defensive lineman gets about 60 to 80% of snaps? Yep. Okay. Max Crosby. Let's pull up some data on Max Crosby. Um, I realize there's some people that, that may not see my book, so I'm just going to go ahead and speak it. Max Crosby each week is a free – Week one, he generated 98% of snaps. Oh, my God. I know. Week two, 91% of snaps. Week three, 95. Weeks four through six, 100%. And week seven, he decided to take a little break on us. He only gave us 97%. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's, an Iron, right? he's an Iron Man. You don't see that too much. You, you don't see that too often. You see these guys come off the field for, like, nickel and dime downs. You see these guys come off. So if you see a guy above the average, above the benchmark, I said, that's crazy. So for that alone, he's valuable. Um, usually I will argue the top three before Miles Garrett went off is Crosby, Watt, Parsons. Those other two have an advantage because they get moved around all the time. Uh, for Crosby, he's a straight hands in the dirt, defensive, defensive uh, end. He goes after it. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you what he did with his time. With all of those snaps, he has 21 tackles. That's tied for third at his position. Okay. He's got 12 assists, which is number one. Um, and he's seventh 
in sack. He's seven sacks, so that ties him for sixth. Wow. Um, I don't know how you are, but I'm a numbers guy. I really enjoy looking at stuff like that because when you look at the numbers, it really tells you who the player is. So he is good at tackles, but he's even better at assists. So what does that tell you? He's helping his team out. He's a team yeah. player. Definitely keep a guy like that in the field, right? Definitely helping out his brothers and sisters on the field. Absolutely. Um, those are usual. Those are your usual players. Those are the usual ones you usually see. Now, when we go down to the rest of this list, when we go down and we're looking, all these guys too have a case to be in tier one, but it's just it's just a tiny list. Um, this guy here, Daniel Hunter. A lot of folks don't know Daniel Hunter because he gets hurt in, in most seasons. Um, he's kind of quiet. He's over there in the Vikings. Okay. But Daniel Hunter is a baller. If you ever look at Daniel Hunter in real life, he's built. He's a built machine just like Miles Garrett. He just doesn't get any of the attention. Um, let me show you some of his stats, okay? When you look at Daniel Hunter for the Vikings, okay, you will see he is tied for ninth in solo tackles with 18. He okay. comes over there and helps everyone else with assists with seven. He's tied for 11th. This guy is number one in sacks, and no one ever talks about him as a top five. This is honestly the first that I'm hearing his name mentioned. So <laughs> that's, that's something, and he's and he's only number five on the list, but that's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. And then I don't, I don't understand why some players, maybe it's the revenue, like different town. Like if he played in New York or something, he'd probably get more – more popularity. Yeah, for, but, for better or for worse, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And then his snap percentage, he usually hovers around 70, 80%. So the last three weeks, let's go off of 77% snaps against Kansas City, uh, Chicago, 85%, San Francisco, 89%. Okay. So he's uh he's always there for you. He's always he's a dependable player. Uh just like the other two guys in this tier, Nick Bosa and Aiden Hutchinson. Um Honestly, when you look at his numbers, that's why I got him a little bit ahead of theirs. They're not really lighting it up like they have in, in years past. Let's look at Nick Bolsa, okay? So Nick Bolsa I have. I'm probably going to get drugged for this, Doc. Okay? Nick Bolsa is everybody's darling. Yeah, oh yeah. He's 38th in sacks right now. He's only got three. Okay. He's got 12 tackles tied for 30th. 53rd tied for uh, the uh, three three assists tied for 53rd. Okay. Now, why do you he's think already, why do you think he's off to such a slow start? You, did he hold down in the beginning of the year? I seem to remember yeah. something like that. Do you think that has something yeah. to do with it? And you know, it it very well might be, but I'll tell you what. Um, numbers wise, metrics wise, um, I use ESPN analytics, but I also use Next Gen stats a lot because it tells you a lot about just the athlete and the player. He's up there with these guys with win percentages. Um, he actually – he's had 128 plays. He won 27 of them. He's been double teamed a lot. There's your answer. 29% of the time he's double teamed. There it is. Mm -hmm. But he has a 21% win rate regardless. So I guess everybody knows this guy. They're coming after him. Mm, here's, the, here's the problem with IDP. You can have a favorite player and you can have him targeted. And if the offense game schemes around him and they get double teamed, and then you're off. You're off. You can forecast this like a fisherman, perfect weather, and then thunderstorm hits. So it's fun, but it's also frustrating at the same time. So, Steve, I got a, I got a question for you. It looks uh, like his snap share to in the beginning of the year 
um, at least first five weeks, it was kind of between 50 and 80%. He had a couple of, they were all below 80%. Um, yeah, his first week, 50, 56%. Every week up until week six is below 80%. Then mm-hmm. week six and seven, 89% and 91% respectively snap share. So do you think that's potentially a sign that he's like starting to, you know, kind of shake off the rust from the holdout and all that other stuff. And maybe he's starting to ramp up a little bit, or you think that might've just been game script and it's kind of an anomaly. Honestly, it's a little bit of both. Um, okay. and, and here's the kicker. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking about chalk it up as an anomaly. These are our players, right? A couple guys in our audience had a great point. A couple comments. Usually when you see a player and you'll see one later, it's going to be Ernest Jones on my list. Okay. When you see a player get, reps and all of a sudden they just lose them yeah and then they come back to 100 the big question mark generally is not always but generally generally an injury of some sort yeah he's probably yeah. dealing with that and if you look at while you were asking that i was looking up some of nick bose's common injuries he suffered an a- uh, acl tear in the past mm-hmm. um so you know it could be the extended injuries it could be they're just trying to keep these guys fresh gotcha um I'd hate to lose a player like that of that magnitude so quick in the season, especially yeah. when they're running up on teams. Yeah, absolutely. But but yeah, here is the uh, the, the DL list. Okay, you got as I said, you got uh, you got TJ Watt number one. You got Mika Parsons number two. Miles Crosby number three. Mac, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Miles Garrett number three. Max Crosby number four. Daniel Hunter number five. Nick Bosa number six. Aiden Hutchinson. Number seven. Now for my bottom tier, my tier three, this is where I get a little bit spicy. This is where I really got to put my thinking hat on because generally most weeks, those guys are on everybody's radar. Everybody knows those are good players. So the first guy I'm going to, I'm going to talk about is Josh Allen of the Jaguars. He's another player. He's another player. Well, let's just let's just go there. Seven seven sacks. He's tied for sixth. Thirteen solo tackles. Tied for twenty second. Three assists. Tied for fifty three as position. And tie, and two forced fumbles. Tied for second. So he's another player in my top like my top six who gets sacks and forced fumbles. He's another player that wins a lot of his win percentages. He plays in a smaller market. A lot of people don't know about him. Mm-hmm. Okay, but here's where it gets a little interesting. This week. This week, I kind of like his matchup. You know, he's going up against the Commanders. What do we know about the Commanders? They like to give up sacks, don't they? (laughs) It sure seems like it. They gave up 40 sacks this year, Doc. And it's only only week eight. Yeah, week week seven, week eight. (laughs) They gave up 40 sacks on the season. Oh, man. Put it all together. This man can eat this week. Yeah. So, so I got him in my top, my top rankings. And uh, like I said, once you get down a little bit farther in this list, it's all kind of critical thinking, you know, um, number nine is Brian Burns. Okay. Brian Burns to me, it feels about right to put him number nine. It really does. Um, he's got a good matchup against the Texans this week. The numbers look really good on that. Um, he's had 18 pressures this year on the quarterback. Um, this Texans team, their O-line's not good at all. Um, if you look at the ESPN analytics, he's always winning too. He's always winning uh, 124 plays, 33 wins. He wins about 21% of the time. So that's almost a quarter of the time that this guy's winning 
And he's got the sixth win percentage out of all these guys I described. So he's 27th right there. So put it all together, you pull his numbers. Actually, you know what? I'm going to do that, in fact. Let me go over to fantasydata.com, and I'll, and I'll bring the audience with me in a second. I just, I'm just explaining for those that, don't, that can't see what I'm doing. Okay. Um, all right. You should see my screen, fantasydata.com. I see it. This is a place I go to just to get cheap, quick stats, okay? Um, right. Brian Burns. Okay. When we look at Brian Burns on the season, okay, this is his season, Doc. Okay. I'm going to look strictly at, ta- at sacks. At Atlanta, he had two sacks. Week two, nothing. Okay. Week three, one sack. You see the pattern. Week four, mm-hmm. you say. Week yeah. five, one sack. Week six, nothing. Okay. So what do we what do we know about him? He's good every other week, right? That's what it looks like. It does. So if I if you know I'm not a betting guy by no means, but if I'm a Vegas guy, okay, every other week this guy's good. Here he is, a top win percentage. Here he is, one of the top guys in sacks. He's going against a really sweet matchup where the offensive line doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, some circumstantial evidence there to maybe take a shot. So I like it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Now my number ten, I'm still, I'm still going a little deep here. Uh, I'm going with Jalen Phillips. Uh, Jalen Phillips, he's coming off an injury as well. Um, he actually put up last week. He had a seven tackle performance. Um, he actually had a sack as well. He had a tackle for a loss, and he did all this. Remember our metrics. 69% snap count rate. Okay. Okay, I will take him this week against the Patriots. Here's a fun fact for you, okay? I was over on PFF the other day. The Patriots have the third worst graded offensive line. You know how they do it, like the players green, red? Yeah. Four out of five of their players were red on the offensive line. Only one was green. That doesn't sound good. I hope I hope they figure out which guy they want to block because Jalen Phillips for top ten that feels kind of good to me. <laughs> I like it. All right, um, and like a lot of it's guessing, but but it just it just makes sense to me to put Phillips and then after him Reddick. Uh, Hassan Reddick had a slow start to the year, but if you look at this guy, he's had five sacks in the last four games. I'm still looking um, at I'm still seeing Brian Burns up here. Yeah, so yeah. let's go, let's go back to your list. Okay. Yeah. Let me go and uh yeah, matters of fact, since we're since we're here, I'm gonna go ahead and pull Hassan Riddick while we're okay. at it. Okay. Hassan, well, let me just do Reddick. My spelling isn't the greatest. I know you're a doctor, so I'm trying not to well, embarrass the myself. Beautiful thing about being a doctor is you don't have to have good spelling because our handwriting is so bad, nobody can read it anyway. That's funny. I thought it was penmanship. <laughs> There's all of it. You should see some of some of the scripts that I used to write. They were borderline illegible. Can you see my uh, Can you see my game? Yeah, I can see it. Hassan Reddick. So he started off slow this year. A lot of players got put off. A couple of leagues, I mean, they even dropped them. Mm-hmm. But if you look at uh, after week week five six, he's been on. If you go back to week four, the Commanders game is when he generated his first sack against okay. that terrible line. Mm-hmm. But if you look at two point five two. Three. He's on a hot streak, so he has had five and a half sacks in the last four games. I mean, looks like he's really getting after the quarterback pretty good. I mean, and simply, simply put, yeah, it's hard not to put him in anyone's top ten. I have him slightly out of that right now, just a little bit. Um, and then these next guys here, either one could win with Sweat, Chris Jones, Sam Hubbard. 
these guys are at the bottom of lists, uh, at the bottom of tiers, excuse me. They both got sweet matchups. Denver, San Francisco's given it up to the defensive end. A matter of fact, let me talk to you about Sam Hubbard, okay? And, and we're talking Montez Sweat, not Josh Sweat, right? Yes, yes. So, so the way I have this tier three tier broke down, number eight is Josh Allen. Number nine is Brian Burns. Number 10 is Jalen Phillips. Number 11 is Hassan Riddick. Number 12 is Montez Sweat, which I'm going to take a pause and I'm going to go ahead and bring you guys over to the IDP guys page. On the IDP guys page, we have this excellent snap count. Let me uh, let me get you over here and just show you this for a second, okay? We have this snap count calculator. Oh, you know what? It's not coming up for. Oh, there it is. Um, so, oh, it's not coming up. All right, never mind. But on the IDP guys page, we have this snap count calculator. And you can kind of gauge the kind of player that you have in front of you. Mm -hmm. uh, we did this a couple weeks ago, and Montez Sweat <laughs> just screwed me over. Uh, we Why is that? Yeah, he screwed me over a couple weeks ago. Um, what, I, uh, what, what we did is we were looking for benchmarks, and I figured out that Montez Sweat has been getting for snaps. He's been getting 72%, 82%, 75%, 71%. And I'm like, go ahead and start him. And he played the Falcons. He ended up getting hurt. So kind of screwed me over. You can't predict stuff like that. But he's another one of those guys up there, super elite, high snap count. Uh, that's why I have him where I have him. Um, after this, we start looking at bargain players. When I get to Sam Hubbard, number 14, yeah, this is a bit of a bargain deal. I don't know if you know who Sam Hubbard is. I do now. Uh, okay, I'm going to explain. The Bengals are really are really a unique system, the way they run. You have a guy named Trey Hendrickson, who he's, I know. he's <laughs> a stack monster, but he doesn't get anything in tackles. Okay. And you have Sam Hubbard, who's more of a tackle guy, and he'll get you he'll get you a sack once in a while. So okay. you have a Ferrari and a Volkswagen. You got a Ferrari, yeah, whatever. You got the Volkswagen. Volkswagen will get you home once in a while. Mm. You know, gas tank will get you home and get you to work, right? Yeah. Now – in sack-heavy leagues, you know Trey Hendrickson. He's probably a top 15 player. Sure. Leagues like this, he's probably not even top 40 on our list because he doesn't get us tackles. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Players move up and down. Now, here we have Sam No, Know your scoring system, folks. Know Thank your you. scoring system. Thank you. So, Sam Hubbard, okay? Here's my reasoning for Sam Hubbard because people look at this and they're like, good grief. Good grief. Meatloaf again. Like, you know, this guy, there's nothing really interesting about him. But let me explain. He has 18 tackles on the season. That's tied for ninth at his position. Mm -hmm. That's decent. He's got 11 assists. He's tied for second at his position. Team player, that's decent too. He's only got three sacks, okay? Sam Hubbard, he's going up against the 49ers. You would think the 49ers are an elite team, not a defensive end. They're ranked 15th. So they're middle of the pack. So okay. what do we have here? We have a player who's probably middle of the pack himself, ninth in tackles, 11th in assists. You know, he'll get you a sack every other week. He's playing the 15th best position. I mean, you can't really do wrong putting him as your 14th, 15th lineman a week, but that's how I justify it. He'll get you good, good but not great stats. I mean, that's – So, that's Steve, I have, a, I have a question for you as far as huh? the process. Um, I don't know if you, you heard about this yet, but Brock Purdy apparently developed some late concussion symptoms. 
and they put him in the after the game on the flight home, apparently, and they put him in the concussion protocol. Most likely, Brock Purdy is not going to be available for the 49ers this week um, unless he kind of is in, you know, the upper, upper percentage of players. Most of them miss at least a week. And we have Roshan Johnson. We're still waiting for him to come back and practice again. It's been two weeks, so no guarantees there. But it looks like Sam Darnold's going to get the start now for the mm. 49ers. So does that alter your process at all uh, as far as Sam Hubbard now going up against not Brock Purdy, but Sam Darnold maybe squeaking out another sack or two in addition to all those tackles that he's uh, projected to get? You know, um, honestly, it – it, they're 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 similar type players. Like I I don't care who who the 49ers have in there, a game manager, yeah. that sort of thing. They'll get neither home. neither does Kyle Shanahan. As long as it's not Trey Lance, he doesn't care who it is. Right, and and I hate this. I hate to sound like that. That sounds so negative, but that's that's my personal opinion on Brock Purdy. Now, newsflash: Guess what? Brock Purdy this year. Has what? What was he ranked? I think in twelve. He's in the top twelve, top fourteen. He's a startable player. He's been he's, putting up stats. I think he's right now. He's quarterback fourteen or fifteen, something mm-hmm. like that. So, so just, just to me, the eye test. They're kind of similar base players. I'm not worried about it. Either one, Hubbard can eat on. I'm not. I'm not worried. Gotcha. It doesn't okay. change my assessment either way. Gotcha. Okay. Good to know. So this last guy is a bit controversial. Okay, I'm gonna explain this to you. Quinnen Williams. Quinnen Williams has only a half a sack this season. He's a Jets okay. defensive tackle. Most yep. people, most people don't have the balls to put him here. I'm putting him here. Okay. This is a leadership board. This is a scoring challenge. I got some steady picks here. I need to try to see if I can hit lightning in a bottle. Got it. What's that? I said, got it. So this yeah, is your, yeah, shot. Okay. This your shot to to hold on to that number one uh, expert ranking. <laughs> trying. So Quinton Williams is going against the Giants. What do we know about the Giants? They're a soft matchup. Soft as butter. They give up the you second. Know, you know that offensive line isn't very good. Terrible. You got Quinton Williams, who's an actual beast. If you were to pull up his analytics, he's actually – he gets double teamed 70% of the time. That's just how the position is. But he 116 plays, he, he, he actually wins 19, so he's in the 16th percentile. So he's above average. So what do we have here? We got a player who hasn't really scored at all this year, okay? He's a top player going up against a soft matchup. He's also got – a lot of people don't pay attention to the advanced analytics. He also has 25 pressures this year. Mm. 25 pressures. He's going to get – I think he's going to get not just one but two. Heck, let's get Froggy. Maybe even three against the Giants. I mean, that would, be, that would be exciting. But I think this is the week where he gets it. That would you know? be pretty nice. That mm-hmm. would be pretty Think nice. of like a killer Mac week. Like he only has like one or two good games a year, and then boom, all of a sudden he's he's relevant, you know. Um, Doc, we actually got a question um last week. I was saving it for you because I knew you were coming on the show. Okay. Um, this one here. This one here comes from a Mitchell Mitchell Heigel. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right, Mitch. And I appreciate all your support in the in the comments. Feel free to leave comments. And we will we'll talk to him from time to time. But he enjoys the show. He enjoys the rankings. And he was a little bit curious about Rashad Gary. Rashad Gary did not make my top 15 this week. Okay. Eventually he will. But he feels like it's a bit low. Um, coming off the injury he did, what are your thoughts on Rashad Gary? So Rashad Gary, the linebacker from Green Bay? 
Yeah, but see, in IDP, we can play him as a defensive lineman. Oh, great. Okay, so defensive lineman and linebacker. Um, so he tore his ACL back in November of uh, 2022, and August was nine months uh, recovery, which is kind of the benchmark for when NFL teams will let a player come back from an ACL injury. September was 10 months out. He played in week one. I mean, the guy you know made it back and – Snaps by week. This is what I'm noticing. And you tell me what you think about this. Mm -hmm. Week one, 16% snap share. Week two, 28%. Week three, 38%. Week four, 25%. Week five, 47%. Has the bye week six. Comes back week seven. Now he's at 69%. Nice, right? Yes. Um, so comes out of the bye with that number right where we want it to be between what did you say the benchmark was between 60 anything and between 60 and 80 is very successful 80 percent. so we're seeing this upward trend so i think it's very interesting that we're seeing that and that he's kind of getting his legs back under him so to speak so i really do like the chances that you know this guy's a former first round pick back in 2019 we know he's a solid player it looks like he might be getting his legs under him a little bit. So this might be the time where he kind of, you know, takes off a little bit. So that that's what I'm seeing. What do you think? So here's the interesting thing about Gary and thanks Mitch for this comment. And for the audience that is paid subscribers, those that are looking at home, I'm going to go ahead and, and scroll through my defensive lineman rankings as I'm talking about Gary. So you guys are welcome to look um, just to see what I have. Now, granted, you guys know this is Wednesday. It's only Wednesday. So you know that my rankings are going to change here and there. But you're welcome to look and see what I have and compare it to yours. Um, here's the thing about Gary. Hold on. Let me, let me uh, multitask here at the same time. Here's the thing about Gary, okay? He's an absolute machine. He has a 33.3% win rate. That's pretty good. I I say it again, 33.3% win rate. He beats all of these other guys. He just doesn't have the major snaps to really take notice. He's been getting – you just you just eloquently put all of his snaps out there in the audience, right? Hasn't yep. really been getting the snaps except for last week. He already has 4.5 sacks on the season, okay? The only thing holding him back is a modest snap count, which we've seen. So for anybody like Mitch who's predicting Gary breakout, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. In fact, I actually see that too. I just don't see it this week. I think it's a little too premature. I think it's a little too premature to kind of, kind of, kind of uh, value a guy with no snaps at all. But yeah, he went from forty-seven percent of snaps week four all the way up to sixty-eight week six, and it keeps growing. So I don't see, I don't see, uh, I don't see a reason, I don't see a reason not to hate on Gary. In fact, many places. Many places I actually picked up Gary in quite a few spots in hopes for the end of the year. Uh, he can finish in the top 10 easy. Yeah. Top uh, five. Betting on, on the come a little bit. And now's the time to jump in and grab him before he really, you know, explodes potentially. Right, right, right. So, so that's my, um, that's my opinion on, uh, on uh, our defensive lineman. I think we got a really good shot at it. Uh, we're going to move on to defensive backs. Okay. Um, now full disclosure, uh, my audience, full disclosure, you love defensive backs, right? I Steve? hate them. <laughs> I see, you know what I was going to say? I hate them. Uh, first off it's volatile. It's like, uh, well, I'm gonna get myself in trouble here. It's like Bitcoin. You know, you just don't know. Oh, you know yeah. what you're gonna get. And then not only is it, not only is it, is it, is it volatile each year, go back 
back in the last 20 years, very rarely do you have a, a, a highest leader every year. It's not as traditional as a linebacker or even mm -hmm. defensive. Like defensive linemen, I was easy. I can easily in my sleep shoot out the top seven. Defensive backs, this is a quagmire if there ever was one. You just don't. You just don't know what you're gonna get from from week to week. Um, so this is where I'm gonna start. Tier one, I have Cameron Curl and Cameron Bynum. For those that don't know who Cameron Bynum is, it's a classic example of why you punt defensive backs because you get guys off waivers each year that turn out to be studs. Okay, Cameron Bynum. Let me just let the stats tell the story. Okay. You're like, who's Cameron Bynum, right? Let me tell you who Cameron Bynum is. He has 51 tackles on the year. You already guessed it. For a defensive back, he's number one at his position. Interceptions, he's got two. That's good enough, tied for fifth. He's been targeted on. So that means teams actually throw the ball on him 34 times. He's ranked first. Receptions allowed. Out of those 34, he's given up 29, so he's tied for second. So what do we have here, Doc? We have a player who gets a lot of tackles because teams are targeting a whole heck of a lot. And guess what? You don't want the Deion Sanders, the Sauce Gardners. You don't want those guys. You want the DJ Reed or the or the, or, or, or you know the Donald Brown. You want guys like that that are okay. going to get targeted each week and get peppered. This guy here, and, and I'm seeing it more and more. Him climb up the chart. I wanted to put him number one. He's been number one. All seven weeks this wow. year. I wanted to put a number one. I can't do it. Cameron Curl is the truth. PFF, Next Gen Stats, they rave about this guy. He's got a rivalry game coming up against the Eagles. Um, I always put Cameron Curl in my top top three or four, and he, he rarely disappoints. Let me give you some data on Cameron Curl. He had a slow week last week, so we're not going to hold that against him. 100% of snaps, 100% of snaps, 100% of snaps, 100% of snaps, whole season, okay? Going down, 10 tackles, 9 tackles, 6 tackles, 12 tackles, 7 tackles, all the way down, okay? He's only got one sack on the air, but that's not really his game, okay? His game, no interceptions either. His game is straight tackles. He's going up against the Eagles who, guess what, newsflash, they like to throw the football. Cameron Crow mm -hmm. is going to be involved this week. Either one of those guys I can see finishing top two. Moving on to tier two, okay? And these are kind of repeat offenders every week. I'm not going to really spend too much time talking about Antoine Whitfield, okay? Every single week, he's in this conversation. Every single week, Winfield is uh, is probably your, 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 starting, your starting tier player. Last week was no different. He had seven tackles last year, in a, uh, last game in a forced fumble, okay? He's a really... Uh, I, I don't I don't know how I don't know how many times you can say a really good player, but you know when you look at his data, playing from a free safety position, he almost plays like a strong safety. When you look at his data, his data is really strong for the season. Thirty solo tackles, no interceptions, but sixteen targets, eight receptions allowed. Hmm. Uh, any given week, he could succeed. Or the next man, Mika Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick, uh, Fitzpatrick. Okay, either either one of those guys. Actually, Antoine Winfield, Mika Fitzpatrick, and Dax Hill. You could rotate those around. Three, four, and six for me. Five. I got Derwin James. Derwin James used to be my top player. He's probably one of my favorite players. I gotta be mindful of these injuries. I gotta be mindful 
for the matchups. So I'm sliding him down just a little bit this week. But again, you're not wrong if you are playing Cameron Curl, number one, Bynum, number two, Winfield, number three, Fitzpatrick, number four, Derwin James, number five, and Dax Hill. That's the cream of the crop. Where the list gets a little bit sneaky, where this list gets a little more sneaky is when you get to the tier three players. I see a big, I see a big tier three here. Because <laughs> it can go either way. It really can. Um, the top of the list for me is Jalen Petrie, who's kind of running off of um, running off of injuries himself, but he's got a fairly plus, he's got a fairly good advantage this week. It's a plus matchup in my opinion. Okay, it's a fair advantage. Anyway. Whatever you want to say, uh, Jalen Petrie, he's back from a bye week. Okay, I'm firing him up in lineups everywhere I can. Okay. Uh, Petrie's going up against the Panthers. Uh, we. Say no more right there. We know the Panthers have been bad. Petrie will see more opportunities in both the run and the pass game all over the field. I'm starting with confidence. He's playing that position, and he kind of moves down in the box, and that's kind of a sneaky metric to look at. If you ever pull up – if you're looking for a defensive back, James, the two things I look for, Doc, are do they play in the box? Are they getting mm-hmm. tackles, and are they getting thrown on? Because if I have those three things going for me – they don't even have to be a star athlete like you're about to see in a couple a couple of spaces down. They don't have to be a star athlete. If they're just playing that position that way, they're going to end up getting points. In this case, we know Petrie's a baller. I expect him to get on track this week against the Panthers. So quick question for you, Steve. For, for somebody who doesn't really know the, the numbers as well when it comes to defensive back like myself, when mm-hmm. you look at targets and you look at pass coverage percentage, like what are some good benchmarks for – like, what's a good number for to say, okay, this guy's getting targeted a decent amount, um, and but he's not giving up a lot. You know, he's making tackles and he's not giving up a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of receptions. Yeah. So, good question. So, so usually what I'll do is I'll look at the average. Like each year, the NFL, if you've noticed in the last three four years, the kind of the passing average goes up. Mm-hmm. So, player Steve Atwater right now would probably be in the middle of the pack. You know, they just okay. don't throw it up back then as they do now. Yeah. Yeah. Just like it's kind of silly to compare like Terry Bradshaw or Joe Namath to Kirk Cousins. It's kind of impossible to do. But yeah, to answer absolutely. your question, for me, if I know a player is getting targeted 10 times a game and he's making eight of those tackles, that's eight points I can rely Well, at least in, in our scoring format, this is giving us 1.5 a tackle. That's yeah. very generous. Yeah, 1.5 a tackle times that by whatever, yeah, you're making some points. volume. Yep. So this is kind of gaming the system a little bit. We're not really ranking them based on the best players. We're ranking them more so on who's available, who's getting hit. And, 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 and passing catches allowed, I'm looking for around 10, 8 to 10. If I see it, those are good points for me. The other thing I haven't really mentioned is snap count over here because I really – I don't really care for defensive backs. Mm-hmm. Everybody on this list has a common trend. They're all getting 90 to 100% of snaps, every Got single you. one of them, or you're not on my list. I'm putting you. you all the way down the list. I don't want to take a chance with the guy that I don't know. I don't want to take a chance with him. Why, why would I? So, so that's why I have more I do. This next one you're going to enjoy. This next player I have, his name is Julian Blackman. Okay? He is not an athlete. You will see him get beat on the field as much as possible. But you know <laughs> what makes him? You know what makes him special? The Colts defensive scheme. The Colts defensive scheme is amazing for that position. So what they do is they move their strong safety into the box. A lot of guys call that the sweet spot because now you're playing another linebacker. Okay. 
Okay, everybody says that, but what does that actually mean? Okay, this guy here, 230 of his plays this year, he has played from the box safety role. 230 snaps this season, okay? He's got a matchup against Derek Carr, who we know is king of short throws. Yeah, <laughs> Right? He's going to do it. So this guy's in a position to make plays all game, okay? Mm. Now, last but not least, let's talk about his stats, okay? Because like an average player can be in the position, but is he going to do anything with it? Well, so far this season, he has 38 solo tackles. That's good for fifth at his position. Fifth in his um, position, I got him ranked seven. So somebody's not something's not right in this scoring system, right? Hmm. Um, Twenty-one, uh, uh, two interceptions. That's tied for fifth, right? Twenty-four targets. You to answer your question. So that's what three or four a week. That's mm -hmm. good. Tied for eighth. Tied for eighth. So you know uh, that's pretty good getting targeted that much. And then receptions. At those twenty-four, he's given up eighteen. So so that's tied for fifth. So okay. Put all together, we kind of like if we were designing a Madden football player, that's kind of what I want. I kind of want a guy who's going to be lingering around, making the play, making the tackle, generating stats. This guy, by default, is going to make someone's top ten. I just so happen to put him. I just so happen to put him at eight. Okay. Okay. Uh, moving on, and, and and I don't know if you'd like to elaborate on this injury as well, but Buddha Baker got hurt. He got hurt. Um, actually, this is a good one for you, actually, Doc. We got Buda Baker at uh, at eight, and then we got uh, Jamal Adams at 13. Both of these guys are coming back off of hamstring injuries, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't know if they're lingering, but it didn't look like it on the field. Uh, these guys here are going to be are going to be stepping up. They're going to be in the top 15 conversation every week. Uh, it's just a question of as we go through the season. How many more snaps are they going to get? Um, Jamal Adams had 85% of snaps last week, which kind of hurts my Julian Love shares. But uh, Baker, Baker they're taking a little bit of a different approach with. With Buda Baker, they threw him in there, and he got 100% of yeah. snaps. Yep. 100%, six tackles, boom. So that tells us something. There's a clue. They don't really think it's a big deal. They don't think it's lingering and bothering. But I was asking you, just as a as a as a sports doctor specialist, hamstring injuries lingering. Uh, what what are the pros and cons there? Yeah, well, the the thing, anytime you have an injury to muscles, tendons, ligaments, there's grades, and depending on, and I'm sure anybody that's played or listened to injury any injury analysis for any length of time know the main grades: grade one, grade two, grade three. So, what does that mean? It means on imaging, can you actually see a tear in the structure? So you get an MRI, do you actually see the structure is torn or not? So if it's completely torn, that's a grade three. Usually those players need surgery. Um, grade two means there's a partial tear to the structure, which is worse than a grade one, where you can see that there's an injury, there's some swelling around it, there's some swelling in the tissue, but it's not actually torn on the imaging. So big difference there. Um, and when you hear that, when you hear a grade one versus a grade two, that's really a differentiator. Grade one injuries are ones that guys can kind of gut it out, you know, the old rub some dirt on it and, you know, give it a week or two to heal. And they usually can play through it. Um, when you have a partial tear that really ups the ante. Those are when you have grade two injuries. Those are when guys usually hit the IR. If they come back too early, that can make it worse. Um, and then they can be out even longer. Um, so those can be, you know, three, four five, sometimes up to eight week injuries. Um, so those are just kind of like rough 
timetables. Um, but, uh, you know, as you talked about with Buda Baker, it looks like he missed five weeks. So they put him mm-hmm. on IR once he got injured and it looks like he's back and it looks like he's doing, doing okay. You know, a hundred percent snap share leads me to believe he's feeling pretty good and then he's healed up. So that's, that's a good sign for me. Excellent. Um, so just to go down this list here and, uh, got a couple questions from the mailbag. We yeah, put absolutely. Cameron curl number one. Cameron Bynum, number two. Maybe because I just like that name. Maybe I'm just a Cameron. Uh, I'll put uh, – okay, so Antoine Whitfield, number three. Mika Pitts, uh, Fitzpatrick, number four. Derwin James, five. Dax Hill, six. Good list. And here we go. Jalen Petrie at seven. Julian Blackman, eight. Buda Baker, nine. When I get to Javon Holland, I kind of I am hesitant. I want to kind of move him up a little bit. But a couple weeks here and there, you're going to have your spotty weeks. Um, I like Holland this week. He's going up. He's going up against the Patriots, who have allowed the second most points per game to opposing defenses. Um, I'll elaborate down a little later. But, like, like, that's a really good matchup. He can eat from there. Number 11, Jesse so, Bates. Let me just interject there real quick, Steve. One thing you want to be concerned about with Javon Holland is you see the red Q next to his name. So why is that? He actually picked up a concussion on Sunday, and he's now in the concussion protocol. So that definitely raises the question of is he going to be able to progress through the concussion protocol enough to be available for Sunday? He didn't practice on Wednesday, so that's you know that's definitely not great. Like. In order to clear the concussion protocol, you have to make it back to practice and you have to be able to participate fully in practice before you'll be cleared. So as the week progresses, if you see that he's back at practice and he practices fully, good sign he's going to be available. If you don't see that, pretty good sign that he's not going to be available on Sunday. So definitely a wait and see. You know, Wait, watch, and see on him. Great point, great point. And a little trivia for the audience. We do these we do these IDP rankings so early in the week we don't always catch the injuries, uh, what have you. Um, usually I don't start panicking. I mean I got the sports doctor on today, so we're talking rankings. We're talking we're talking injuries. I don't start panicking until I see Thursday, Friday. If I see that doubtful, yep. Um, I don't know if you guys know, so I'm just gonna put it here just in the broad audience. They did a statistic 93.7 if I got that right. 93.7 percent of players. When they get the doubtful tag, they're just out. Consider yeah. them out. Yep. Marshall Falk was the last guy to come back and actually play. That was a long time ago. <laughs> so I don't know with the leagues that I'm in, and this may be a controversial move. If a guy's doubtful, I put, I, okay, that's just as good as IR, put him on the IR. Yeah. Some leagues I'm in, these guys are more stigglers, and they're like, no, you got to wait. Okay, you're just costing me days. He's oh, yeah. No, it's they're, I'm, I'm in those leagues too, but I'm with you. Like As far as I'm concerned from an injury perspective, if a guy's listed as doubtful, to me, he's as good as out. And as you alluded to, I can't remember the last time somebody was listed as doubtful and they actually played in the game. So if you're saying it's Marshall Falk, I believe you because I right. don't remember the last time it happened. Right. Um, I'm gonna I'm just gonna show the audience the rest of my list, the ones that are here and paid subscribers. Yep. So what I leave off at Petrie seven, Julian Blackman eight, Buda Baker nine, Javon Holland ten, Jesse Bates eleven, playing against Tennessee, Kyle Hamilton playing against Arizona. I like that matchup too. Kyle, the, the the Ravens lead the NFL in sacks and have more interceptions six than the touchdowns that uh, that they allowed, which is four. Uh, that's more of a matchup thing. They have four games this season with at least five sacks. 
They have now scored at least 11 fantasy points in, in, in three of the last four. They're going against the Cardinals, who I think they have showed who they are now. I think they are starting to, uh, you know, uh, pack it in for next year. So Kyle Hamilton at 12, I think that's more than reasonable. We talked Jamal Adams at 13. We talked uh, Grant Delpit interests me because he also gets that sweet spot position. He okay. gets those plays in the sweet spot. He's a pretty interesting player, too. If you look at his PDF or PFF, rather, and you look at what he's done on the season, he's um he's usually in a top 15 conversation. He may even make it outside of that in, in, in some occasions. But, I mean, playing a Seahawks matchup, they're going to throw the ball around. He's got 32 tackles on the season. Now, here's where numbers get a little crazy. He's tied for 16th for 32. Okay. Well, what if if he had 42, he'd be right up there with the top players at this position, right? Mm. So, you know, give or take one or two more tackles a game. The body of work, we still are halfway through the season here. The body of work is going to – the gap is going to change between these players, you know? So if it's only one or two, I don't really concern too much about the rank. I concern about the numbers. Yeah. He's got – he's tied for 13th with one interception. He's been targeted on 15 times, and he's allowed 11. And uh, this week, you know, he made a couple of mistakes in in coverage, but I'm more than okay with that. I will take a swing with Delpit. Last year, before he was even in the scheme, he had he had a hundred tack hundred plus tackles on the season. So Delpit's good. Yeah. And then my one underneath it is Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith, old man Smith, he puts it up too from week to week. Honestly, any one of these players in here can do you well. Any one of these players. That's why defensive backs is so interesting uh, because you just never – it's like a lottery ticket. For those that like lottery tickets, I don't play scratch-offs. For those that like lottery tickets, by all means, go right ahead. Go get yourself some defensive backs this week because there's a whole list of them once you get outside the seven that you can choose from. Love it. Uh, we have an actual mailbag question here in regards to Hufunga. Um, why do all the analysts continue to rank Fungus so high? He never plays close to the line of scrimmage. No way he's top 15. Um, believe it or not, I don't have Hufanga that high. I don't. I've been kind of putting him bottom tier. You know, he might make 15, 11, 12, 13. And, you know, the reason is recency bias. You know, he's got the hair. He looks like Troy Palomalu, right? He's mm-hmm. on the 49ers. But in reality, trigger finger, this is a very smart question. This is a very smart question because when you do the data, it's nowhere close. No way at the most volatile position that we have in sports should we be putting Hofunga up any higher. And it's crazy. Recency bias sets in. There are so many rankers this week. He's in their top tens. Yeah. He's in their top tens. Let me show you. He's he's getting 100% of snaps most weeks. Um, week three, he had one tackle. Week, week, four, week five, he had, he had one tackle. Weeks, yep, week five, one tackle. Week six, he got seven, okay. Minnesota game, he had nine, but they were fighting for their lives. I, no, thank you. I'm not playing, I'm not playing Hufunga or players like that. And then here's another basic strategy. You want a really good defensive back? Brisker of the Bears is a good example. Last year, he was on the field. He was amazing, right? Because the linebackers sucked so much, he had to go and soak those tackles up. This year, what happened to Brisker? You got Edwards in front, and you got 
Uh, Tremaine Edmonds. So they're not, he's not getting as much play as he did last year, especially with the healthy Greenlaw and a healthy Warner. So, so no thank you on Brisker. Thank you for leaving that comment though, because I thought that was smart enough. And I wanted to actually, I wanted to actually make a, make a point to use that in, in today's show. Nice. Okay. We're going to final out here with some, uh, oh, you know what we didn't talk about? We did not mention common injury. Actually, we did, didn't we? We talked about hamstrings and whatnot with the mm-hmm. next back. Yep. We did. Okay. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure we were covering the basics. Um, let's move on to linebacker. Um, I will tell you from experience, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, James. Linebacker is historically like the running back position. Okay. okay. Of, of, not only is it often disregarded, but those guys move from side to side so much. They do a lot of ACL tears, uh, MCLs. Uh, what 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 um what thoughts do you have in regards to the linebacker position? Well, uh, it seems like, uh, and I know we saved them for last. Um, it seems like they're really important when it comes to building a defensive backfield and building your defensive lineup. I know historically, you know, what I know about them is they're the guys that, especially the really good ones, they're the ones that can kind of do it all. They go sideline to sideline. They're in on stopping the run. They're making tackles. They're getting interceptions. They're defending Mm -hmm. passes. They kind of have to do a little bit of everything. And the ones that were really, really good did a lot of bit of everything. So that's, that's kind of what I know about it. How does that jive with uh, the way it actually plays out? Yeah, and you know, um, this is another reason I'm not very uh, literate with medical terms and what have you, but I'm very excited to read your book because, you know, just I just want to know a little more about ACL, PCL, MCL tears. Yeah. It seems like these guys get them very often. Okay. Um, and how often that puts them out is the better question. Yeah. So, But okay, um, let me go ahead and, and, and just show you the rankings here. Um, you have the Holy Trinity, the top three. I don't see anybody else doing it any different with those three. They might have them jumbled around. They might have them jumbled around, but those are your top three. Okay. Um, right now, this year, Zare Franklin or Foise Olakun. Okay. One of those guys is your top one. Every ranker probably has it that way. Every single ranker kind of has it that way. Um, you know, dealer's choice, just like the defensive lineman. Pick your poison. Now, I'm going to tell you I have a reason. I actually have an analytical reason why I have Franklin ahead of Olakun. So let's okay. compare those guys together, okay? When you look at Franklin, he's got 72 solo tackles on the season, okay? That's number one, okay? He's got 11 assists. It's tied for 29th. So you can tell a lot about a player. What kind of player is he? This guy knocks you down, you're staying down. He's a beast, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. really make too much with the teamwork. Doesn't need it. This is what he does. This is his game. He's got a forced fumble. That's good enough for second at his position. And he also okay. has two sacks. That's who Franklin is as a player right now. This is what we see. Okay? Olakun, a little bit different. Similar player, similar snap, green dot. 100% snaps. Again, it's a dealer's choice. But with Ulakun, he's tied for second. He's got 61 solos. So the first guy got 72 solos. Second guy got 61. Okay? This guy here is better at assists. Okay? He's got 20 assists on the season. He's got one INT. He's tied for sixth. Okay? 
So we know the players. We know who they are right now. And maybe I'm a little bit too much into my into my rankings per se. But based on what I just said, I'm just curious. Uh, I'm just curious. Uh, based on what I just said, okay, if we look at the scoring here, okay, you got one guy with 72 and you got one guy with 61. Uh, just doing fast math, we get 1.5 for the solo. We get 0.75 for the assist. That's double. That is double every time. Every time my guy makes a solo and your guy makes an assist, right? Yeah. Yep. It's important to know these players and schemes. It's important. So I got a guy who's a team player. Yay, good for you. But guess what? It's not going to win my fantasy week. Right. Okay? Let's do some fast math. Uh, again, I don't claim to be a mathematician. So let me just see here. So if I was to do Franklin. 72 by uh, time, so that's 108, 108, so it's 108, and then let's do the 0.75 assists, okay? So that, okay, so Franklin would be, if we were just doing basic scoring, those two, those two situations alone, I'm not going to put the rest of it in there because it's too okay. fluky. Franklin has 116.25 points okay. based on this ranking system on the season, Okay. Let's go over to Olakun with his 61. 61 tackles times 1.5. That brings me out 90, to 90 something. You're a doctor. Okay. I'm not as quick as you. Give me one sec. So, yeah, yeah. so 91.5. 91.5. Yeah, then we got his 220 assist, which will bring him up 0.75 to. So, okay. So, so here it is. Here it is. Apples and oranges. Okay. Pick the poison. One guy's got 116.25 on the season based on this ranking. The other one's got 106.25. That's a 10-point difference. Yep. That's a huge difference. Okay. If you're an assistive player and you're and maybe I'm too far looking hard into these rankings, but that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing here. Okay. Between these two guys, apples and oranges, one is a one is a true tackler, while the other one is more more. And you know what? Olakun, I'll say it right now, Olakun's probably a better player. Franklin's just in a position to succeed. You know, you know who else is a better player? Than probably well, maybe not both of them, but uh Roquan Smith. Roquan yeah. Smith is amazing, a real-life player. And it's sad. It is so sad that I have him number three. But I just I just can't do it. I can't I can't find a way. I can't find a way to put him up there any other any any higher than that. Um Roquan Smith, have you seen the Ravens play lately? I, I haven't seen them play specifically, but I'm very familiar with who Roquan Smith is. Okay, so how about this? Have you seen the Ravens play last year? That defense was horrible. Oh, yeah. Defense looks good this year, right? Yeah. Roquan Smith is a candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Okay? Yeah, no, Not only is he amazing. in position, he's making players better around him. He's making people better around him. And when you make other people better around you, guess what? You lose a little bit of points here and there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the way it works. So, so something else I want to interject on with Rokon really quick. So again, we got the red Q there, which is always, you know, per piques my interest. So he's dealing with a shoulder injury. He didn't practice today. No further details on what's going on there, but definitely something that you want to watch going into practices Thursday and Friday. Sometimes it's just a veteran day off, no big deal. Uh, but sometimes these things linger. So if he's not practicing tomorrow, he's not practicing on Friday, then we got to be worried. He's back, you know, partially practicing, and then he elevates to a full practice on Friday. Probably no big deal. But the shoulder is, you know, one of those areas where it could be nothing. It could be a bruise, and he's just getting some rest. Or it could be, you know, we're seeing like with Deshaun Watson with his rotator cuff, and, you know, we have 
Debo Samuel is dealing with a broken shoulder blade, you know, so there are other things in there that can get hurt. that can keep you out for a little bit and hurt your performance. So just something to keep an eye on for everybody in the early part of the week going into the later part of the week. Awesome. And then you went Roquan too. Every year he's historically good. Uh, four and a half sacks, three out of the last five years, uh, top three tackler last season as well. You're not wrong to have either one of those three. Either one of those three can win you a week, but that's kind of the order I have it. Franklin, Olokun, Smith. Most people do not have a problem with either one of those guys, the way it's put down. Now, the rest of my list, on the other hand, you're going to see linebackers all over the place. I can okay. justify those numbers, but they don't. They probably don't look like other ranking sites. Um, remember, we're chasing tackles, right? So when I put TJ Edwards that high, that's a bit risky, okay? Um, TJ Edwards, to me, is, the, is a classic case of what you see on real-life football is what you get in the stat line. If you're not looking at TJ Edwards or you don't know the player, let me tell you, he's got 51 solos on the year. That's tied for third. I got him fourth. He's tied for third. He's also not too bad with assists, tied for 15th. And he's number one. Actually, he's, he's tied right now. So he'd be second right now in force fumbles with one. So overall, the player is really good. Week to week, the player is really good. He's got a matchup against the Chargers who kind of look lost. Um, here's a little fun fact, not really for the IDP show here, uh, but uh, you know, for, for us here at IDP guys, here's a fun little fact. Their coach is calling defensive plays this week. Okay. Usually we see a trend when that happens, right? Usually the coach starts playing it and things start going bad for them. And so, you know, he may be, he may be out the door. He may be out the door soon enough. Okay. It's a very unstable situation. So, you know, whenever there's opportunity, a guy like TJ Edwards is knocking. Um, I got him higher than most, but that's what I'm doing. And that's what he does. And um, the rest of this tier, to be honest, there's not a whole lot to tell you, okay? TJ Edwards, number four. Fred Warner, five. Bobby O, o okay, I can't even say that right. So I'm going to say Bobby O, right? Bobby O, Quin Bobby O, Okariki, maybe. Yeah, Quincy, Quincy Williams at seven and CJ Mosley at eight. Those are your every week, 100% snaps, 10 tackle performances. Those are the guys you kind of want. Those are the guys you want. There's not really anything exciting besides reading stats, stat line. Um, I generally talk to them every week. What I'm more excited for is to talk the bottom tier because I usually don't really – I usually get by this point in the, the, the program, I usually kind of graze it a little bit. Okay. But there's some good diamonds in the rough. Okay. The only thing I'm going to say in this tier right now, you notice the Jets. Not only do we have two Jets in there, it almost looks like it's backwards, don't we? Hmm. We have C.J. Mosley after Quincy Williams. Mm -hmm. That seems a little bit – a little bit suspicious, okay? okay. Let's uh, let's match them up a little bit because I'd like to I'd like to compare them together. Um, I'd like to compare them get those guys together. Um, okay, so C.J. Mosley going against the Giants, 14th best in the matchup. They they bleed to the linebacker, 43.80 points per position. So either one of these guys, possibly both, are going to eat, right? C.J. Mosley, 44 solo tackles. He's tied for eight. Quincy okay. Williams is tied for 11th with 43. Now, here's why I kind of compared it to. Okay, one guy has 43 tackles. He's tied for, he's, he's 11th. And the other one's got 44 tied for 8th. It's one friggin' tackle. Right. 
right? So the rankings, don't get stuck on the rankings too much. It's just a way to compare apples and oranges. Yeah. The assists are there. This is where Quincy excels. Quincy excels in assists. He's got 11, tied for 29. Mosley's uh, Mosley's up there too, okay? Force fumbles, he tied for second, okay? Quincy Williams is actually doing really well this year. Quincy Williams is uh, a very good coverage player, which I was surprised to see this year. This is another case of C.J. Mosley, just like the Roquan Smith mold. Both of those players, C.J. Mosley's like the linchpin and a hand grenade, okay? Mm-hmm. It's the mm-hmm. pin that makes it all work. Weeks gotcha. when C.J. Mosley's not in, that team does not excel. They do not. Falls apart. Mm-hmm. So Quincy Williams' success, owe that to the leadership around him. Because I, I don't see him as a C.J. Mosley player. I see them as two opposite players, actually. Mm. But both right now are excelling in that system. Both of them are doing very well. Um, and that's why I kind of brought him up the way I did. Okay. Um, this th- That ranking doesn't change. They kind of shift based on the matchup. So, so what do I have here? I put Franklin 1, Olakun 2, Smith 3, Edwards 4, Warner 5, Bobby O 6, Quincy Williams 7, CJ Mosley 8. This is the tier I kind of want to feast on, okay? This tier 4, this uh, actually excuse me, tier 3. I kind of want to I kind of want to focus on that, okay? Okay. So, we're going to go with Bobby Wagner, okay? And I have to go to the mailbag on this one. Because this one kind of made me think this week, okay? Okay. Can you see my screen? I see it. What's up with Bobby Wagner? He gives up on effort on the field when he plays from time to time. Hmm. And he's up and down. He keeps getting ranked in the top eight, and I just don't see it. Okay? He seems volatile. This is from uh, Stephen Smith. I thought this was a smart question. I really did. And this week, I kind of looked into it a little bit. I went a little deeper than, than I usually would. Okay. I kind of went a little bit farther with Bobby Wagner. To be fair, I don't know. To be fair, I thought he was lower. I thought I had him lower than most because I was seeing Bobby Wagner as high as four. Kind of crazy. So it made me it made me kind of want to make myself better. And thank you for that question, Stephen, because – we only get better as an audience by asking smart questions. We really do. And this actually makes us better as analysts, okay? Let's break it open. Let's break the bread open on this. So Bobby Wagner, okay? First thing that comes to mind to me, who's Bobby Wagner, okay? Well, I can tell you right now he's LB12 on the season in most most formats. I can tell you right now just watching game film, you are absolutely correct. Watching games, he's gassed by the end of the game. He mm. is exhausted. He's missing plays that old Bobby Wagner wouldn't do. He's also 33 years old. So, again, that's a good question. Why are we ranking him that way? You know, like it just it just does not – it doesn't it doesn't make sense. So the first thing that comes to mind to me is, well, he's got, he's got nine all-pros. He's a pro bowler eight times. You know, he's a first-time Hall of Fame. That's all in the past. What is he doing now besides yeah. getting past? What is he doing? So I kind of looked at the numbers. So we're going to go back to – we're going to go back to uh, fantasy data over here. And let me know when you see Bobby Wagner, okay? Okay. okay just let me know. I'm digging. Bobby Wagner. Got okay. it. Excellent. Thank you. Okay, so Bobby Wagner. Week one, this is kind of where everybody's still stuck on. Week one, he had 18 tackles. He had eight souls and 10 assists. Yep. Okay? The rest of the year, if you look at it, he's hit or miss, right? Yeah. He comes he goes. He week week four looked pretty good. You know, 17 tackles. 
Uh, or wait, let's see. Solo tackles, assists. Yeah, so he had 17 tackles, and then last couple of weeks hasn't really done nearly as well. So it looks right. like he's kind of <laughs> streaky or boom bust, yeah. to say the least. And you see why I think this is a smart question. It really is. So when you kind of put all this together and you really – when you think about it, okay, you, you, you know – there's not too many players that get 100% snap counts. He's a middle linebacker. He wears the green dot. He's capable any given week to give you 17 to 20 tackles plus a big player too, right? Yeah. It's not enough to justify a top four ranking in my opinion, but it's enough to justify the bottom half of, uh, of the list. So look at Bobby Wagner with blind spots. He's very spotchy, splotchy at this point. You know, he'll have his good weeks. He'll have his bad weeks. You know, kind of, kind of like, uh, kind of like a Brian Burns. You know, it'll be up, it'll be down. So you know my process on this. That's what I'm looking for. It's just it takes older players. Well, you could testify to this, Doc. It takes older players a little bit more time to heal and to get going each week. So he's not going to be players a little bit longer to do everything, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have those weeks. So if you're starting Bobby Wagner, just know that. Just know this is the this is the player he is at this point in his career. Okay, so, so I, I know you wanted to mention this guy. Um, yeah. You know, as long as we're talking about Seattle linebackers, Jordan Brooks, um, kind of going for the Superman Award this year. Tore his ACL in Week 17 of January in January of 2023. Passed his physical in August, which was only eight months post surgery, and then he played in Week One, which I don't think anybody would have would have faulted you if you thought maybe he starts the season on the pup or he starts off slow. It looks to me like his snap percentage has been between 64 and 88% this year, which seems like what you want. So any, any thoughts on that as far as like his standing in, in the rank? Oh, there he is. He snuck in there right at the end at number 15. Yeah. I like to, my bottom of the list, I like to kind of hit like those lightning, those lightning in a bottle yeah. kind of place, but he's the only one on my list that isn't meriting the hundred percent, 90% kind of mark. Right. Interesting. He had that surgery. But I think it was around 10 months ago now. Yeah. He came back he's, to play. But, you know, he's just a freak. His stats, his stats on 70% of stats, he's still in the top 20 in most statistical categories. 38 solos, he's tied for 20th. 15 assists, tied for 19th. So to put him 15, 20 any given week, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Uh, in fact, I think that's a good move. Yeah, it looks like it looks like he's doing just fine, you know, post ACL. So, you know, I think what you see is, you know, you can trust it at this point. I mean, he's I think 10 or 11 months out, um, you know, so he's he's getting there. It looks like he's doing really well. So I, I like that sneaking him in at the end. And uh, that's that's why you're number one, you know, uh, three out of five weeks. Um, the other thing I like to do with the bottom of this list you're looking for 100% players, and this is what we have. 10, we have Kaiser White. 11, we have Terrell Bernard. 12, we have Walk Quay Walker. 13, we have Logan Wilson. Okay? You're not wrong with any of those guys right there. It's all on preference. It's all matchup-based, okay? Let's talk Kaiser White. Every single week, that guy is on the radar. Every single week, this guy's making plays at this point in the season. 100% uh, snap count the whole way through. Um, let's just pull what he's done recently, okay? We're going to go back. Let's do three weeks of data. Okay, so Kaiser White. Um, yeah, so Kaiser White. And just for the just for the audience listening in, I'm just going to read some of this. Week 100%, week 200%, week 300%, week 400%. See the trend? 506. Mm -hmm. All of it's 100%. Every single week. 
The last three weeks, 10 tackles, eight tackles, five tackles. Sack one of the weeks. I mean, every single week he's on the field. He's a top 10 play to me this week because he's playing the Ravens. The Ravens are the second best matchup to the linebacker. They just give it up. Maybe it's Lamar trying to run around and maybe they run the ball. They just give it up. They give it up to that position. He is a solid play. He's a solid play almost every week, but he deserves that top 10. I just got a lot of high upside guys in front of him. I got guys like Wagner and what have you moving up. You know who else I put in there? If Nick Bolton was on this list, he commonly is a four to seven every single week. Nick yeah. Bolton is a baller. Some people have him at three. It's just unfortunate the timing right before we, we got you on the show. Yeah. He heard a tip, right? What are your thoughts on uh, Nick Bolton? So it looks like uh, Nick Bolton dislocated his wrist. Um, so the issue with that is even when you put the bones back in a place, when you dislocate the bone comes out of the joint and the joints, uh, you know, now it's no longer functional. So you put the bones back in place so you get the functionality back. But a lot of times when you do that, you stretch and you injure the ligaments and sometimes the tendons that are, that are kind of holding things in place and you need to repair and stabilize the wrist. So they're giving him an eight week time frame at this point to kind of repair things. And I think that's a good time frame. So we're looking like we're going to be without him for probably at least the next two months and, and maybe longer. So that brings, you know, next man up is, is Drew Tranquil. So what do you think about him? I like Drew Tranquil. Every time Tranquil gets, a, gets an opportunity to succeed, he does well with it. Um, for whatever reason, the Chiefs didn't promise him a position at all. But again, whenever, whenever, um, whenever Bolton's out, they give him the green dot. So I don't know. I don't know if they're just not telling him outright, but yeah, between him and you know what, Gay, don't sleep on Gay either. Gay's been leading the team in tackles. So I think when you put it all together, I think that Tranquil is the better, like knowledgeable football IQ guy, and Gay is the more the better player. So Willie, Willie Gay, the linebacker for the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah. If you okay. look at his weeks nice. when he actually gets to play, he is uh he's very, he's very successful. Um Okay, um, so I just want to move on a little bit here. Um, we covered Wagner. We covered White. Number 11 is Terrell Bernard. It's safe to say, guys, Terrell Bernard's a top 10 linebacker moving forward. Um, if you don't know Terrell Bernard, most people did in the beginning of the year. Matt Milano getting hurt. It's been musical chairs. It's been a nightmare for the Bills linebacker core. Um, it seems like Terrell Bernard got it figured out. He's having solid weeks. Let me read you some of his stats, okay? 44 solos tied for eighth. Assists, 25, uh, 25, that's fifth. Interception, second, tied for first. This guy, there's nothing wrong with playing this guy as a top 10. I have him as a top 11 because I'm chasing a little upside. Um, he's safe. He's as safe as it can be the rest of the year. So kudos to you, smart managers, that picked him up, okay? Every format out there pretty good um but also the reason why bernard is interesting to me it's because the lb2 is non-existent okay all year round from aj klein to dorian and you know what two games ago i thought we had it figured out i thought we figured out that dotson is not a good player dorian williams the rookie will play lb2 guess what happened last week and most people don't realize this last week against the patriots at halftime they benched dorian williams and they brought back in dotson so more to follow. That's musical chairs all single year. I don't want to get stuck with either one, but I'm more than okay with the one linebacker who's playing and getting consistent play. I'm more than okay with him. Okay. We're going to so, go back. 
Oh, good. I'm sorry. No, good. I, I was just going to say, when we get to the end of the linebacker list, what we can do, one of the things I'm known for, uh, you know, going for two is they do the rapid fire injury review. So we can kind of bang through uh, okay. quite a few injuries here just in the last few minutes and give people some guys to maybe watch out for in the weeks to come uh, that they might want to put on their radar now, kind of see how they do and then maybe add them, you know, as, uh, you know, as needed. Awesome. So I actually, while we were doing that, I actually was able to get on IDP guys. IDP guys has this cool content. They have this, uh, we have an injury tracker too. So I can show you that when we get there, but they have this snap count creator. And what you can do is you can look at certain players. Ooh, look at that. We're going to go to Ernest Jones because Very I have cool. Ernest Jones on the list, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I have Ernest Jones on the list. Okay. Now, while we're pulling this up, you guys, can you guys see the snap count tool? Yep. Okay, excellent, excellent, excellent. So while we're talking about Ernest Jones, okay, let me just read you his stats as you as we find Ernest Jones, okay? So as you there know, he is. there he is. Okay, Ernest Jones this year, 48 solo tackles, tied for fifth. Assist 19, tied for eighth. He's a very good player on a bad team, right? He also gets the Cowboys, which is the ninth best matchup, okay? It sounds too good to be true, but this is why we're analysts. Be careful. Please be careful if you're playing Ernest Jones this week. The reason I have him so low, and we kind of talked about this earlier. Uh, hopefully you can see me highlighting this. Ernest Jones is a 100% ball snap player, yep. linebacker like the rest of this list, right? 100% mm -hmm. week one, 100% week two, 100% week three, 100% week four. Be careful. Week five. Be careful. What the heck happened week six? Yeah, seven, what eight? happened? What happened week seven? And so as my 70% week six, 81% week seven. So a significant drop off there. So mm -hmm. what, what was the as, deal? As my audience correctly figured out a few weeks ago, whenever you see a player all of a sudden just drop in snaps, you know, we chalk it up as an anomaly, but there's probably an injury there. So I went on Twitter trying to figure out what it could possibly be. He's got a knee injury. He's okay. got a knee injury, and it's in between those games, and I guess he's trying to shake it off right now. So just be careful starting players that you know they happen to be they happen to be getting their 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 their, their check in. But this is a key stat. This is why snap count is so important. You see a player that traditionally is at high, and all of a sudden he goes low. That's not good. And then the next week he goes high again. It's encouraging. But if he keeps going low, it's more likely than not an injury, or he sucks. But we know, based on stats, <laughs> Ernest Jones does not suck. By all means, play him. Just be mindful of that injury. All right. Yeah, it looks like he's trying to gut it out a little bit, kind of been partial, you know, uh, partial participation in practice for the last couple of weeks. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, so if you're okay with it, let's rapid fire some other guys, get some guys on the okay. radar here, and then we can uh, we can close it out. So one by, of the guys you mentioned, yeah, one of the guys you mentioned, Quan Alexander uh, yes. from Pittsburgh. Uh, so lots of prior injuries, but his snaps by week, you know, 60, 57, going up to week five, 46 percent coming out of the bye. Now 71 percent. So football, it's a brutal sport. It's a war of attrition. You got to live in the here and now. So maybe somebody. You know, upward trend, looking good coming out of the bye. Definitely somebody that you want to keep an eye on. Reed Blankenship, safety for the Eagles. You already mentioned the volatility there. Injury to the ribs, week six. X-rays were negative. That doesn't mean he's out of the woods. Could still have a break. X-rays, mm -hmm. not the best for picking up rib injuries, especially if they're not displaced. They're just fractured in place. He's out for week seven. We don't know what the story is going to be there. Could be a cartilage injury. Could be weeks 
uh, of him continuing to be hampered by that. Uchenna Nuosu, linebacker for Seattle. Torn pectoral season-ending surgery, not great news there, but here's what I want to tell the guys, especially in Dynasty Leagues, looking forward to next year. I did a little research. You're not the only one to do research here, Steve. <laughs> so I looked up the sports. There's an article from the Sports Health Journal 2019 demonstrated that 90% of players with torn pectorals returned post-op within eight months, and about 75% of those returned to their previous level of functioning. I like those odds. So next year, people may be off of him because of the injury. I would definitely give him a good hard look if that's someone that you want to look at and you like the way he was playing before. Pretty good chance he's going to be able to get back there. The numbers favorite. Cody Barton, linebacker for Washington, suspected high ankle sprain. So we had, there's been a lot of talk about high ankle sprain versus low ankle sprain. Basically, it's low ankle sprain versus other. And other is bad. So mid ankle sprain, high ankle sprain, low grade, medium grade, high grade doesn't matter. If you hear mid grade, um, uh, high ankle sprain or mid ankle sprain, you know it's bad. And this could be bad, could be three to four weeks, could easily linger and affect him beyond that. So be careful there. Uh, Divine Diablo, uh, great name, by the way. Ankle injury, severity <laughs> unknown. But again, you got to watch out for is it a high ankle sprain? Always got to be concerned with that. If you hear that that's what he's dealing with, again, three, four, five weeks could linger longer than that. Luke Masterson seemed to be the guy that stepped up so he could be the guy that replaces him. Definitely somebody to keep an eye on. David Long, concussion protocol. Just watch practice reports. Remember, you got to practice in full before you clear the protocol. So if you don't see him practice in full, chances are he's going to be out. Cornerback uh, for the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. And we got a couple more. Uh, I know you love the defensive backs, but we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Jeremy Chin. Uh, so he had a quadriceps injury. He's on IR. So what that tells me is it's probably a grade two injury. So again, we talked about partial tear. Uh, so probably looking at three, four maybe even up to eight weeks with that injury. So we'll have to wait and see there. Darnell Savage, another one of your favorites, the safety from Green Bay. Calf injury, uh, looking like uh, it could be either a grade one or a grade two. If it's a grade one, think in two to four week time frame. Grade two injury, again, could be three to four weeks, could be up to eight weeks. And then we'll leave it off with, uh, I'm going to try his name here, Frankie Lavu, or mm -hmm. Lavu, uh, the linebacker from Carolina. So he had a hip injury. There's a few things that it could be. It could be something as simple as a hip corner, which is basically just a bruise to the area. Um, there's cartilage in there that you can injure. It could be a muscle strain. So still, you know, wait, watch, and see on that. And scene. How'd I do? You did excellent. And you know what? Just to add to your Quan Alexander, um, we had a, we had a question in the mailbag about yeah. what about Devon White or Quan Alexander? I thought it was a sit start for a minute there. No, what what Raven was asking was why don't they make the top ten? And that's a that's a good question. I think this is a smart question too. Quan Alexander, let's look at the data real fast. Sixty nine percent week one, sixty percent week two, sixty five. He drops to thirty eight percent snatcher. Mm, you see why okay. I don't put these players on? Yeah, two hit or miss. Forty four the next week, sixty nine. That's why Quan Alexander, and he had a great start of the year. I believe he was like fourth in tackles from start of the year. It's two hit or miss when you're trying to play a player who's only one or two downs. Um, and then I wanted to actually hit on Devin White. Now, believe it or not, I heard that he has a foot injury. Yeah. I don't, I can't confirm or deny the significance of that, but I can confirm and deny he's not good this year. Devin Ooh. White is one of those face names that everybody thinks. Everybody was excited. Week one, he had a 12-tackle performance. Let's look at week, week two, two tackles. Week three, seven. Week four, five. Week six, seven. Week seven, five. For a guy getting 100%, that's ho-hum. 
Now he's not on my top 15. So that's why those players are not there. This is just a case of knowing name brand players, knowing who they are, and knowing where to place them in your rankings. Um, but yeah, if if you're looking at it, they're not they're not they're not doing very well right now. So yeah, they're not in my rankings. But excellent question, Raven. Excellent right. question. Um, if you guys haven't signed up yet at IDP at IDP.org, you can save 10% by using the code IDP plus. Okay. Uh, IDP plus pod, and you'll get 10% off. You'll get great content. We have an awesome discord with sit starts and analysts. I'm in there as well all week. Um, if you need to find me, I write the waivers article on fancy six pack. I also do the standings article. Uh, I, you know, as well as I'm over here, I do the pregame and post games articles as well. Uh, uh, Dr. James, uh, tell, tell the audience where they can find you. Yeah. So, uh, you can theoretically find me on Twitter at TFS doc. Uh, I, um, message only at this point. I don't post a lot. I'm trying to bring more positivity into my life. So, uh, <laughs> not really there too much, but I do respond to all questions. Uh, I'm also in the going for two discord. I have my own injury forum over there. So feel free to tag me with any injury questions there. If you're, uh, you know, interested in that, the going for two discord, we got a lot of great analysts over there. You should be a member of the fantasy six pack and the going for two discord. Uh, the going for two discord free to join a lot of really smart people in there. And of course, you know, tag me at Dr. Jim, uh, with any questions and I'm happy to respond to that. Do have an injury kind of roundup for the first half of the year, kind of halfway to the playoffs, uh, type of thing that, uh, I'm going to be doing, uh, releasing it early next week. So that'll be there. And of course there's the book injuries suck, but your fantasy team doesn't have to. Uh, it's available on print version and e-version on Amazon, and it's even available on audiobook uh, on audible.com. And uh, especially if you like listening to the sexy baritone voice that you're listening to right now, narrated by yours truly, the author. Um, you never really know when you're going to have to make these decisions. And what I really want to do with the book and with my content is make you, the reader, the listener, uh, you know, the content consumer, the best injury analyst, you know, be able to run these things through your filter just the same way that I do without the, uh, you know, cost and expense of having to go to medical school and internship and residency and do all that, do all that kind of fun stuff and get really, really good at getting that advantage, just like you get a really good advantage uh, following Steve, uh, the IDP hunter and uh, all the guy, all the guys that uh, IDP guys and uh, fantasy six pack. So really, really a pleasure to be here. And I learned a lot. I know that if I learned a lot, then I know your audience members learned a lot. And yeah, and you're doing, you're doing great stuff here. And I'm really interested. I think you might've convinced me to maybe jump into an IDP league at some point and start smacking some people around. So I'm, I'm not going anywhere. You're going to be, you're going to be hearing more from me. I'm really, really loving the content here and, and keep up the great work. Awesome. And then again, guys, the book injury sucks, but your fantasy team doesn't have to. It's on Amazon. I'm going to pick up a copy myself. I find this fascinating. And again, I get frustrated with injuries. I know we went a little longer this episode. I get frustrated with injuries, and I feel like I learned a lot more from the doc. Um, I'm going to check you out. I'm not a baseball guy, but I'm going to check you out. I'm going for two. And well, the, the beautiful game. thing is, is that it's uh, it applies to all sports. And I just want to throw one more thing out there. One difference, you know, you, there are a lot of reporters out there and what they do is they're great at their job. They report what other people tell them, but what other people tell them may not actually be factual. Um, so when Adam Schefter reports that Jerome Ford has a low grade high ankle sprain and he's going to miss a week or two, 
Adam Schefter's not sitting around thinking about, hey, is this really you know, accurate? Is this what a high ankle sprain is going to do? He's just saying, this person told me this, and I'm going to tell you, and that's great. But you got to be able to run it through your own filter, and that's where my content, putting the pieces of the puzzle together, looking at the injury, looking at the information that's out there, trying to piece it all together. That's what I do, and that's what I try to teach you to do so you can gain an advantage over your competition, make better decisions, and hopefully win those titles. Excellent. And then we're going to, we're going to carry this out. Hopefully doc, you'll come back. I mean, would you come back? I would love it. It would, it would be an honor and a privilege to be back here and, and learn even more. This was, this was great. I really, really appreciate the opportunity to get to meet you, get to meet a new audience. And um, I really enjoyed it, Steve. So thanks so much. Thank you. And I told the audience, they keep watching, they keep subscribing they keep watching. I'll keep doing this content. Uh, there's only more room to grow. Uh, we're going to end this on a positive note. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having an audience. Uh, hopefully this IDP podcast was was uh, informational to everyone. Hopefully we can weather the storm and kick butt this week in our leagues. Good luck. Good luck this week, everyone. All right. And see you guys.